good morning and greetings in Jesus' name. I know many of you by, by just looking at you, that's, but not by name. And maybe that's my fault. I have, over the years, served at Maranatha, and because there's interaction with the Bible school and, and this congregation, I, I recognize you, but I don't know many of your names, and maybe that's my fault. But I trust we can worship this morning. It is my desire that we worship this morning, not because of who I am or necessarily who you are, but because of who we are in Christ, and that brings us together in brotherhood. And that's a little bit of what I want to share with you this morning. I don't know if that song that Brother Justin um, led, just the last one here, made your spine tingle? It should. It should make you say amen, because that song tells the story. And when I think about my name being written on his hand, and that I can enter into and be with my father, and I can say, Abba, Father, Something about that spells security. In our Sunday school lesson this morning, um, sort of talked about that. The question that kind of ran through my mind was, well, can this God really be trusted? Can I trust this God, the only wise God? Can I trust him? Because he's saying, I am this, and I will do this, and I will be this. But will I trust that God? And so it's just kind of some thoughts that were rolling through my mind. I invite you to turn to Ephesians. This will be, I'll have two basic scriptures this morning. I just want to draw our attentions to um, several verses in chapter 5. I had originally thought I would preach a message on um, the family and the church, and I think there can be some parallels drawn even in today's message, and I felt God perhaps directed me just a slightly different direction. Um, but I do want to bring in an aspect that I want to, or the, the main point of my message today um, out of both of these passages, and the first one we'll be reading is in, Matthew, or in Ephesians chapter 5, verses um, 25 through 27. And these are not unfamiliar verses. They're actually fairly familiar, probably, to all of us. But there's a specific um, phrase or set of words that I want to draw our attention to. We'll begin in verse 25 of, of Ephesians chapter 5. And this is what it says. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. In verse 26, I want you to catch what this says. It says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, and then verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. If you have a pen, a highlighter, or a pencil, underline 
those three words, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now you can turn to Romans chapter 15. And we will look at some passages in here, some verses. Before I do that, I just want to give my introduction a little bit here. In today's world, in today's Christianity, if you will, and I don't know how, how well you are or how aware you are of, of the mainstream congregations, and this message is not against them, okay? I, I'm just making a point here. Understand what I'm saying here. But in today's Christianity, many, many churches have gone the way of putting together programs and um, services that are geared towards the individual believer. In other words, what they've done is they've said, okay, we need to somehow make it so that people will want to come to our church and they recognize that there are individual needs and so they focus on the individual and the perceived needs that the individual has and formulate fantastic, unbelievable services that are intended to feed the individual, the individual's perceived needs. So let's put this in the shoe leather. If Brother Justin, and I'm picking on you because I know you, if Brother Justin would come to Prairie here from whatever, because he perceives that Prairie will meet a certain need in his life. Now, is there anything wrong with that? Maybe not per se, but we'll see in our passage today that if we continue in those kind of thought processes, and if the church adopts that kind of a thought process, it's easy to go off track because it's about myself and not about God. My focus is internal instead of external to my brothers and sisters and to God. And when that is skewed, the church becomes dead and flat. Looks alive, but is dead and flat. Now the ditch can be over on the other side as well. We can be dead and flat in our whatever traditions and all of that. Understand what I'm saying here. The question I want to ask you this morning is, why do you attend Prairie? Why are you attending Prairie? Why did you start coming here? Maybe you've been here from the beginning. Maybe you are an old person. Pardon me. My respect is to you. Maybe you've been a Christian for many, many years. And you've attended here for many, many years. My question to you is, why? Why are you attending Prairie? Maybe you've just recently come here. And so the question is to you as well. Why are you attending Prairie? It's your focus. Maybe you're a young person and you're attending here for reasons that are personal. Is that all wrong? Perhaps not. I think it can be good. But the caution is this. If I remain in that personal level of need, I cannot share correctly in the brotherhood that is designed by God to be a godly brotherhood because I become selfish and self-centered 
in my fellowship. So now all of a sudden I realize that everything I, I want in this church is about me. And I cannot give because it has to be about me. So the focus is, or the, the question is, where are you at in your fellowship here at Prairie? Ephesians, the passage we just read, said that it had the phrase, to the glory, or a glorious church. And that's what I want to focus on today. The title of my message is, Church Fellowship That Glorifies God. Church Fellowship That Glorifies God. And so, are you glorifying God in your fellowship here at Prairie? What's your vision? What's your focus for your family here at Prairie? And maybe you haven't thought about those kind of things at all. Mm-hmm. I remember when, um, and by the way, I preached this message at home just not too long ago, so this is not, I haven't picked it just because of you. I felt God saying, preach this message. I preached it at home, and um, God spoke to me personally in this and my motives for being part of Sandy Ridge, my home congregation. And am I truly fellowshipping the way God wants me to fellowship? Am I being self-centered, selfish in my fellowship there? Or is there something about who I am that I want to promote in my fellowship with the Brotherhood at Sandy Ridge? Do I want to be perceived a certain way? And so that's why I'm coming to Sandy Ridge and so on and so forth. Maybe you're here this morning and you are not a Christian and you aren't sure if prairie is going to meet the needs. You are unsure if prairie is going to do what you you think it should be doing for you in your life. But we want to read here in chapter 15 of Romans. I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. And my primary focus this morning, brothers and sisters is verse 5 through 9. But I will read the entire chapter, maybe get a little bit of, or the entire passage from verses 1 through 14 to give us some background here. Let's begin. Chapter 15, verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. I'm going to stop right there just for a moment and help us understand what Paul is saying here. This letter that Paul is writing to the Roman church is if you read uh, Romans chapter 14 you understand that Paul is addressing fellowship issues There's, there are people who are strong and there are people who are weak in our congregations and he was addressing that here and in the, at the end of chapter 14 he addresses some of those things and then he goes into chapter 15 and he says okay so we those of you okay Prairie those of you here that are strong. You need to take care of those who are weak. And we're not going to preach a message on the strong and the weak. We, here's, a, here's a challenge for you, okay? Take chapter 14 this next week and do a study on it. Try to understand what it means when it said, when it talked, when Paul is addressing the strong and the weak. And then ask yourself some hard questions. Am I a strong or am I a weak person? Anyway, those of you who are strong here at Prairie are to take care of those or nurture those who are weak in the faith. That's what Paul is saying. So he's bringing it into chapter 15. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. There's key number one. 
Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Point number two. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Example number one. Christ is our example for correct fellowship. Okay? For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the, of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience, here we go, verse 5, and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that she may, be, that she may with one mind and one mouth glorify God. Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. And that the Gentiles might be, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written for this cause, I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And it goes into a little bit of a prophetic thing here. He says, and again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of of the Holy Ghost, verse 14, and I myself, Paul is saying this to the congregation that he is writing this letter to in Rome, and I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to admonish one another. What we just read here is a continuation of what Paul is addressing, and that is fellowship in the body of believers locally. Another question, how do you see the body of believers here at Prairie? Is it part of Christ's church? Remember in Ephesians he said that I will, he wants to, see how was that? He wants to present it, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. You see Prairie as a glorious church, part of the universal church of Jesus Christ, the manifestation here at Prairie is the local manifestation of the church of Jesus Christ universally. Do you understand that? We're not talking some fantastical thing. We're talking a reality. All believers in Christ Jesus are part of the church of Jesus Christ. But today you are experiencing the local manifestation of that church universal right here at Prairie Mennonite Church. Is that the way you see it? Do you see it as something that is only for you to consume from? Or do you see it as something that you want to give to because you want to glorify God in your fellowship here at Prairie Mennonite? And how does that look? And what does that look like when we do that? Is it possible this morning that we may be pursuing our fellowship here at Prairie? And I hope you don't get weary of me being personal. 
I, that's the way I preach. Because I think that the scripture is personal. And we can take it in here and we can absorb it. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know. I don't know you guys. So please understand that I'm not, I'm just asking questions to help us understand and maybe think through the process of why we fellowship the way we do and are we fellowshipping correctly. Is it possible that we have pursued fellowship here at Prairie perhaps with some wrong motives, some wrong purposes? And we've focused on ourselves, our own perceived needs. I need something. Now granted, the Christian life, the beginning of the Christian life is that we perceive a need in our life. We, we perceive that we are sinners. There is a need. But brothers and sisters, if we stay in that stage of need, we're like babes, Paul says. I can't feed you. I can't give you the, the steaks and the, the roast beef. I can't do that. I've got to give you milk because you're not growing. You're still in that baby stage. So I understand that there are those things within us that cause us to want a, to, to have our needs met. But when will you move away from that in the fellowship so that the fellowship can grow to be a glorious fellowship, one that honors God and glorifies Him, not because of who you are, but because of what you are doing in not because you're some important, but because you are giving. You're being selfless. And we'll read through that and we'll get the examples here in our passage, verses 5 through 9. Give us perspective here. And if you think that Paul was writing this to some Mennonite church, you have another guess coming because he wasn't writing it to a Mennonite church. He was writing it to a church that was full of diversity. Okay, there was approximately 50,000 Jews that lived in Rome, in the city of Rome there. And um, the pagan city of Rome was approximately, had approximately 1 million people uh, total. And there was about 50,000 Jews in that, uh, included in that 1 million. And most of the Christians in Rome were not Jewish Christians. <laughs> Most of the Christians in Rome were, were Gentiles. But there were some Jewish Christians there too, Jews that had been converted and, and had forsaken a lot of the ceremonial law requirements and have, had understood that Christ fulfilled that and were now living Christian lives, converted lives. So, so, so just picture this with me. And that's why Paul addresses in Romans the different um, conflicts that they were feeling. So this person over here, he was converted, he was a Gentile, and he was used to worshiping idols and serving meat and all of that that was offered to the idols and all that conflict in there. And you have the Jews that come from this godly background, we'll say the Mennonites from this godly background, and the Gentiles, and you got this coming together here. And so this wasn't just some nice fitting glove here. I think there were some issues going on here. And Paul is saying, why are you... Or he's, he's, he's admonishing them through this letter to live in such a way in fellowship that 
brings glory to God. And so how are you doing this morning in your relationships here, the Brotherhood at Prairie? I've only been ordained for, I don't know how many years, 2006. So not real long, not like some of these other men. But it's long enough to understand that every church has its issues. So it doesn't matter where you go, there will be issues. And you, you do well in staying where you're at unless there are doctrinal issues that can't be resolved. And so if you find that there's conflict here, it's okay. Work it out. But don't do it selfishly. Allow God to work in you so that you can be a benefit to your brothers and sisters here at Prairie. We're going to go through this. Verse 5. It says, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one to another according to Christ Jesus. I just want to make a point here. When Paul says here to be like-minded, he doesn't mean that you are supposed to think the same way about everything. It's not what he's saying. You know, and I know, that that just won't happen in a congregation. It's not what he's talking about. This is what he's talking about. He's saying that your like-mindedness should be your affections. You should set your affections on each other. Set your affections on each other. When was the last time that you felt like you truly set your affections on your brotherhood here? Set your affections on each other. See, when we do that, there is an element of love that, that overlooks the grievances. And I look at my brother and say, you are my brother. You are my brother. And I look at my sister and I say, you're my sister. In Christ, you are my family. Therefore, I choose to lay myself aside and live for your best. And I've got your back. You can trust me. Can I trust you? You see, when we do that, all of a sudden, all this... <coughs> in Dutch, we say, kfreis. I don't know if anybody can talk Dutch here or not. This garbage in the relationships kind of drifts away and we see it differently because I surrender myself to be a servant to you. Let's go on. Verse 6 is the first reference and here's where I get my, my title for the message, Fellowship That Glorifies God. Our focus this morning is that we can develop an attitude of fellowship that brings glory to God and not to our congregation, not to ourselves, but that our congregation is a glorious thing because this is the local manifestation of the church universal that Christ is coming back for. Maybe that's what we need to understand. What Christ is coming back for is not just me, myself, and I, but he's coming back for his bride. Okay? And this congregation here, my congregation at home, every congregation that you may come from, or if you're a visitor or whatever, that bride of Christ includes 
this congregation, my congregation, is the local manifestation. And when you think about that, it should, should sober us. Because God said in Ephesians that he will make it a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. But we have something to do with that. Will we cause the spots and the wrinkles? Verse 6 is the first place here in chapter 15 where it says that we ought to glorify, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7, this will be the, the central verse of these three, or these five, I guess, uh, verses. Verse 7, Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us, to the glory. There's the third, or the second point of to the glory of God, that our fellowship would be glorifying to God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision. This is the Jews. He's talking about the Jews. For the truth of God to confirm the promise made unto the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God. There's the third one. For his mercy. So through the Jews. Notice how Paul brought the Jews and the Gentiles together right there. He wasn't just addressing the Jews at Rome. He was addressing the Gentiles. He was saying, look, this is what it is. And so we have three things, plus in Ephesians, talking about a glorious church. That's my point this morning. Are you fellowshipping in such a way you're at prayer that it brings glory to God? And let's see what that looks like. First, let's go back to verse 7. It says, verse 7 is the central theme of the five verses. It says, wherefore receive. I want to look at that word, and this is what it means. Receive is to take to oneself. When was the last time you took your brother or your sister to yourself? It's not talking about inviting them over for lunch. It's talking about a relationship that is intimate enough that you say, I want you to be part of my life. I want you here. I want you here. This may be a weak brother and it may be a strong brother. It doesn't matter. Verse four, or chapter 14 talks about that. So, do you find it difficult to go to a strong brother or a weak brother, strong sister, a weak sister, and say, let's do this together. Let's fellowship in an open and intimate way for the glory of God. Because he will make his church glorious. And it's through us that that is happening. So are you fellowshipping in that way? Have you received your brothers and sisters here at Prairie in that manner? An open and an honest way. Nothing held back. Simply saying, giving myself to you. You giving yourself to me. In that kind of a manner. It's okay to sit down with a brother and cry over failure or whatever. It's okay for a sister to come alongside another sister and encourage and walk with. Will you receive each other that way? Paul is telling us to welcome each other. <clears throat> What does it mean to welcome each other to, to the glory of God? It means we receive each other in such a way that when people that are watching us and they watch this happen must conclude that God is glorious. We do it in such a way. We fellowship in such a way. We receive each other in such a way that the outside people and your brothers and sisters in the congregation observe and they must be 
they must come to the place where they understand there's something glorious going on here. There is something absolutely glorious going on here. And they conclude that it is godly. That's what it means to receive each other in such a way. And it's not for my own glorification. You see, sometimes Satan comes along and wants us to believe that we are a very friendly church, a very receiving church. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you can get to the place where you want to maintain that stigma and it becomes selfish, self-centered, rather than glorifying God. We do it out of what's happening in here. Our relationship with God forces us almost to fellowship that way. And we don't even think about we're trying to carry our name, glorifying God. And to think of the account in Acts chapter 18, verse 26. It's talking about Aquila and Priscilla. And the, the word receive is, is used here only as the word took. Acts chapter 18, verse 26, it says, He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took, or they received him unto, themselves, un, unto them, and expounded on him the way of God more perfectly. That word took is the same word that Paul is using here, the word received. Aquila and Priscilla took perhaps a weaker brother and received him and said, look, we'll teach you. We're about you. Go preach it, brother. Here's some things that you need to think about. Go preach it. They received him, and he received them. Obviously, he did. So what are you doing this morning at Prairie in your fellowship? Another example I thought about was Mary and Martha. Which one of those was focused on God and not herself? Which one was focused on herself? Who are you focused on this morning? Are you focused on yourself? Or are you focused on God? What happens? I don't know if you have men's meetings or not. We have men's meetings every so often at church where just the men get together. You know what, men? Can I just say something? Take your boys along to men's meeting. You know why? Those boys need to see how men interact in the church. Your young boys need to know how men, Christian men, work things out in the church. I am blessed when, when we sit around those tables and there are young boys sitting there with their dads. And they hear the dialogue. They hear Christian men discussing, sometimes disagreeing, always loving. And those boys observe that. You see, the church is for the family as well. And the family is for the church. And this is one way we do it. Our fellowship Maybe just a little side note. It also helps to check yourself when your son is sitting beside you and dad's getting hot under the collar. 
and your son's looking. It's food for thought. How do we fellowship in the congregation? How is God glorified? Let's look specifically at that. How is God glorified in your fellowship here at Prairie? How? Verse 7. Again, we go there. Verse 7. Wherefore receive ye. Receive each other. Open arms. Love. Warmth. As Christ also received us. There's your key. As Christ also received you, so receive each other. Well, how did Christ receive you? Let's go back up to the first couple of verses of this chapter, verses 1, 2, and 3 maybe. Let's just look at that. It says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. Question. Did Christ bear your infirmities? Does he bear your infirmities? That's right. Yeah, he does. He's so long-suffering. He's so gentle. He's so kind. He bears your infirmities. Did Christ please himself when he was here on earth? Does Christ ever please himself? No. Did he lay down his life for you, for me? Yeah. Yeah, he did. He intercedes still for us today, doesn't he? You know he does. I know he does. What a blessing. When was the last time you interceded for your brother or your sister? You see how this works? This is how our fellowship begins to glorify God. And then we go... In verse 2 it says, let every one of us please his neighbor. So it's not just refraining from pleasing myself. But it says, now I need to please you. Now I need to please my brother and sister. I need to give of myself to you. To you. Just as Christ did. For for his good and for his edification. I'm looking out for your well-being. I'm looking out for your physical, your spiritual, and your emotional well-being. The fellowship that is in Christ does that kind of thing, and it brings glory to God. Those people who observe that are out around you, I I came down this road and I, I observed two Lutheran churches just like next to each other almost. I have no idea. I'm not familiar with Lutherans. I'm just saying when they observe the fellowship at Prairie to be such a thing that is glorious, their jaws will drop and say, wow. Now that's brotherhood. That's what it means. Christ is our example. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Are you willing to take on the reproach? for the sake of your brother and sister here at Prairie. The serious believer no longer asks if behavior or activities are right or moral, but rather, is it good for my brother? When you can come to the place in your walk with the Lord, in your fellowship here at Prairie, 
and you can say, you know what? I don't think I want to do that because it may offend my brother. And I love him too much. When you can come away with that kind of an attitude, something glorious is happening in your life. Something glorious is happening. And other people will see it because you are, you are living the life of Christ that is in you. The way that God is glorified in our fellowship is when I deny myself, I die to myself for my brothers and sisters so that they can be satisfied in God. In other words, the way that Christ received me so that I could be satisfied in God and bring glory to Him is the same way it pours out from me into you and vice versa. So when God receives me and He satisfies me completely, all of that, look at, look at verse, um, which one was it? Verse 5 and verse 13. Now the God of patience and consolation. When that God satisfies me in all of my distresses, my patience is satisfying. He consoles me in my weakness, in my struggle. And then in verse 13, now the God of hope, the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace. When all that joy and peace is fulfilled in me, in, through Christ, in God, that spills out to you, my brothers and sisters. And it draws you, not to me, but it draws you to God. That's fellowship. That's glorious fellowship. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters, here at Prairie, fellowship to the glory of God. Lay yourself aside for each other. Not because it's your duty, but because you want to. You love each other because of what Christ has done for you. And God is fulfilling all of those needs in you. You're experiencing that. And you can receive each other in fellowship in that way.